Hey there, true believers. Welcome to episode three of the Marvel Mondays initiative here on the penultimate conquest. Today's topic is, of course, our discussion of episode three of Falcon and Winter Soldier titled Power Broker. So strap in because we've got quite a show for you today. If you're watching on YouTube, consider dropping a like and a sub and don't forget to hit the bell to get notifications for new shows like our video game show, The Penultimate Conquest Podcast, our TV and movies podcast, just like this one, from the Cross Media Show, and our anime show, Anime Nation. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Christian Macias, just one of your friendly neighborhood co-hosts today, and with great power comes great responsibility. Co-hosting with me today is our resident Spidey fan, Eric Ginn. How are you doing, my man? You look so cool today. Yeah, I got I got to rep my boy Zemo today. Uh, just cool and ice under pressure. So I think I figured out throw the shades on. Also, just came in from outside too. So um, forgot to take them off. Uh, but yeah, that was very nice. So I didn't know you were going to say those powerful words before you said my name. So it's kind of like an oxymoron. It's like that doesn't make any sense right there. But I'm happy to be here right now. I- I have to say for you audio listeners, Eric is sipping on a beer. He's got his shades on. He's ready to vibe so out cool. today with the show. Right? Yeah. I feel like I'm watching uh, a scene from Top Gun. My, my like to, I don't like Top all Gun. take our shirts off and play volleyball? Or is that... Yo, say when, and I'm ready to go. I know you. I mean, six feet apart, you know? But... Of course. Of course. Yeah. Very Playing true, with very the true. boys. <laughs> <laughs> Those words you're hearing from those people... I should introduce. So our first guest today, he's a dweeb, an economist, and an equality warrior. His name is Carlos. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this episode. Should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. And our other guest today, I'm sorry, Eric, go ahead. No, I say, you you know we got a cool guest or one of their, just one of the economists. That's a smart guy. <laughs> I know. Right? I'm not going to be you able know, to follow that. It's, it's funny because I've, I've been on other people's podcasts and they're like, hey, what do you do for work? And I like I do the stocks, but like I don't have a job. You know what I mean? So it's always hard for me and I don't want to sit here and do this whole thing. So economist is probably the closest thing to what a profession that I have is. So, no, well, it takes but, a genius to deal with that kind of stuff. So it takes patience. Yeah. But, yeah. But go ahead. Let's talk about the state of the markets instead of uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier today. Yeah, which is, I mean, we'll cancel the whole listen, thing. Listen, that's a different podcast, I think. But you can have me on anytime. I love to. I listen. We can go on. But is is Bitcoin still hot? I don't mess with Bitcoin. Even look at it. You know, it's that's that's a fool's gold over there for me. So I'm writing that down. Writing it down. <laughs> I literally just invested two thousand dollars into Bitcoin. So. Ruben, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the other guest you have heard is a father, an educator, and writer about all things video games. You can find some of his work on Game Rant and as a part of the Xbox Ambassador program. So cool. He is, of course, Jeremy Frutkin. How are you doing? I am doing great. I'm happy to be here with you guys. And uh, first there was Mediocrity, and then there was Zemo. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, he, right. he was. We'll get into it, but he was so cool in this episode. I saved the show for me, but we'll yeah. we'll get we'll get there. We will get there. Okay. I've got a few housekeeping stuff for you guys today before we get into it. Um, we started a community solo streams at the Penelope Conquest Twitch channel. Tessa, aka Smash Bro, 
B-R-E-A-U-X, is kicking us off tonight right after this show. She's playing a Soulsborne game, so be sure to check that out. We've also got the Attack on Titan, Attack on Titan Final Season Episode 16 review tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern, so please check that out over there. And then Anime Nation is this Wednesday at 7 Eastern. And finally, what a packed week. Oh my god. Godzilla vs. Kong review on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. So, you don't want to miss out. Come on. Okay. Time for some icebreakers. You guys ready? We usually do a few questions for the group. And I want to ask what your favorite Marvel movie is and what your favorite Marvel character is. Oh, we had homework. Yeah. We did. We did have homework. Okay, let's go. Let's start with Carlos here. Sure. Uh, wait, so it's just one question? So it's, so it's two. Favorite Marvel movie and favorite Marvel character. It does not have to be in the MCU either. Oh, oh, that's even... Um, okay, so favorite Marvel movie, it's going to have to be... It's, it's like a cliche, but Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, it's so fresh, so fun, so unique. Uh, Taika Waititi really killed it on the writing, the visuals. I mean, insane, right? What hasn't been said? As far as favorite Marvel character, I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, it's, I grew up with Spider-Man. It's, I know it's everybody's Spidey fan and everything, but I remember the animated cartoons that, you know, Into the Spider-Verse, like way back when with Madam, I forget her name. Madam Web, baby. Uh, Madam Madam (laughs) Web, baby. Uh, And even when he went to space, there was a uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man in space, and he had the the flying suit. It was it. insane. That's right. And that's oh my god! And Fox Kids. That's right. So man. so that's my favorite Marvel character. I miss that Peter Parker so much. He was so cool. Oh my god, he was cool. Cool size. polo shirt. You know to this I mean? day, when I read comic books, that's the voice I hear in my head when I read Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But, uh, it Jeremy, used to be for it used to be for me, and then now it's Yuri Lowenthal. That's when I when I do anything Spider Man. He he's the voice I hear. Fair, definitely fair. One day we got to talk like best best Peter Parkers or best Spider Man. That's got to be a topic someday. That'd be a good mm-hmm. one. Jeremy, what about you? Marvel movie and favorite Mar- Marvel character. Favorite Marvel movie. Um, I'm biased because as a, a '90s kid, I am obsessed with the X Men. That being mm-hmm. said, and that will actually come in handy later when we're talking um, further on in this episode as well. So let's keep that in the back of our minds here. But my favorite movie, that biased aside, has to be Logan. That's one of the movies that I think isn't just a good superhero movie, but I would genuinely put that up against most modern or classic movies as just a good old-fashioned noir western. That is just, I mean, it's a, it's a masterpiece. I absolutely love it. So Logan is definitely my vote for uh, my favorite Marvel movie. My favorite Marvel hero, if I'm hard-pressed to choose one, and I can't choose all of the X-Men, I'm going to go with Daredevil, the man without fear, who I think has, and I've talked about this on other podcasts before too, but I think has probably the best quality writers of any sustained run since his creation. I mean, from uh, from Bendis's run to Burbacker's run to uh, just the classic runs in the 80s, um, no, most nobody has been beaten up quite as much and lost his mind quite as much and still come comes back. Maybe not better, but still gets back up every time. And uh, there's something so deeply human about that that's always resonated with me. What did you think of the uh, Charlie Cox uh, yeah. show on Netflix? For a while, it was my favorite uh, 
uh, comic book TV show until WandaVision and Doom Patrol came along. Um, mm. I liked it as a whole. I thought he was great as Daredevil. I thought the whole thing was great. I was a little... The second season, I think it was, with uh, Elektra. I wasn't really yeah. huge on Elektra in that season. Although, I guess in the for full transparency, and this is going to sound funny, I actually did background and stand-in for Daredevil on that season uh, in New yep. York okay. as well, too. Um, so I don't know. I'm still trying to be honest, but in you know journalistic integrity and all that stuff. <laughs> but I think it was one of the best um, created TV shows of all time. I mean, from plot to acting to the fight scenes. I mean, it brought the classic Japanese style long hallway fight scene to American audiences. And I'm yeah. willing to bet there's like plenty of people who had never seen anything like that before uh, until they saw that. So I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It came yeah. out of nowhere. I, that show was, nobody expected what it was. And yeah. the first two episodes, you're like, I got to see the rest of this immediately. For sure. They made you care about Matt Murdock. The fact yeah. that he had powers yeah. or wanted to be a superhero, quote unquote, vigilante is probably a better word, was irrelevant. You genuinely cared about the people. And that's, uh, that's always and foggy. Special. I cared about foggy in the end too. <laughs> Avocados, dude. You know? Oh my God. We're going to shift gears here a little bit. Have uh, a final question for you two. Shift back to Carlos. Are you team cap or team Iron Man? We got to know. I, I'm team cap. I mean, I'm team neither, honestly, because they're so flawed in humans, you know? And so you never really want to... But if I came down to it, I remember this panel in Civil War when he's on the ship and they're basically telling him, like, hey, you got to choose. Like, we got to register these these superpower beings. And he said, no, I got to do the right thing. And he, like, jumps off the helicarrier or something. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm down with this dude. He's cool. Good answer. So. Good answer. Yeah. Jeremy, how about you? Team Cat, baby. It's got to be Team Cap. I mean, there's somebody who, even though an institution tells him this is the right thing, his morals and his principles, his ethics, tell him that it's not the right thing. And whether you end up agreeing with him, right or wrong, again, I think that's something admirable and something relatable. So Team Cap, for sure. Yeah. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't had a Team Iron Man yet, have we? I don't know. I think I don't think we've had a team Iron Man. I think it's like you and I have this thing where we go back and forth, kind of, mm-hmm. um, where it's like one viewing it may be Team Cap, the next viewing it's like, well, Tony's got some really good points here. Um, but I, I guess it just speaks how strong Captain America is in the MCU in terms of like people latching on to him and stuff because I don't remember like Cap being this popular before, like hey, Tony. Before- Tony's a little too Elon Musk, you know what I mean? Like, he's just, <laughs> I'm like, what are you trying to, what's your motive here? You know, you don't know what's going on with him. So with I Cap, guess. you kind of always know where he stands, you know, he's, he's down for the people. So. Hold on. Now, when we say team Cap, we mean John Walker, right? Or <laughs> I'm US kidding. I'm kidding. You agent. <laughs> with that, we're going to segue into our plot kind of synopsis here of episode three power broker um so i'm gonna take it kind of a you know if you're looking at the doc kind of segment by segment and we'll stop after each little major plot point and kind of discuss and if anything happens just interrupt me if you have a thought or anything so we begin with a commercial for the global repatriation cancel the ad promises that the grc exists to help the billions of people return from dust settle back into their new lives with their motto reset rebuild 
restore. Not operating in that spirit is John Walker, who leads a raid of folks loyal to the Flag Smashers in Munich, seen in episode two, I think. Uh, not accomplishing much, but tearing up the place in the process. Uh, yo, John Walker here, starting to break. He was getting scary here. Yeah, he's cracking. He he reminds me of that high school dude that just like has a lot to prove, you know. Yep. And and you know, I it makes me sad to see him wear that suit. I I know we're gonna get it. He's gonna get his comeuppance, and this is, shield's gonna go back to them. But I'm like, take it off already. I don't mm-hmm. uh, enough. The character of John Walker in this show has been one of the biggest disappointments for me. And I'm usually very good at separating uh, comic books from the show. I don't want to see the same thing panel for panel or frame for frame. I've seen it already. I've experienced it already. But John Walker, to me, is such like a representation of like the political and military system, which is why it was like so offensive that he became Captain America. And I understand why they have... Um, the actor whose name escapes me. It's Kurt Russell's son, right? It was playing yeah. John Walker. Yep. yep. I, uh, he's supposed to be almost irredeemable. And through time and years, he becomes humbled. And I understand why that kind of showed the more human side in the start, because it tells a better story. But I'm so used to John Walker just being this loud, militaristic, bombastic dickhead, for, <laughs> for lack of a better term, who eventually learns how to be, if not a hero, some humility, and uh, from his peers and people around him. So that's a, I'm still, this, it, I think we're going to get there with him. I understand why they, they started him out like this, but I just, it, it, John Walker really wasn't doing it for me, at least in the first two episodes. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, I, I should bring up, so Wyatt Russell uh, was the actor. Wyatt Russell. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Wyatt Russell. Um, I also wanted to bring up real quick, because uh, I think Ruben, you sent this to us our way. We want to make sure that uh, when we talk about the new Captain America, we are specifically talking about John Walker, not the actor Wyatt Russell, who has been getting hate online. It is never okay to send That's an actor hate for portraying a character. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. What I am loving here, um, even though I hate the character, of course, is that it it's almost mirroring the abuse of power we see in like everyday society. He's he's the he's the douchey cop for me, especially when he yeah. when he says he has that line. I wrote it down. Do you know who I am? That is very very clearly just abusing abusing his power. He's showing off the shield, the badge, and saying, "You have to respect me because I am in this position and nothing else." Um, That's uh, this this episode. Even though I feel like we got a little less of him compared to the other two, I thought we were really hitting on like the original comics version of him. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, man. It's just that abuse of power. I have the power. You're the little guy. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. But I also want to bring attention to Hoskins, who makes some great points here. I, I like had to write it down because he's absolutely right. He says about Carly, she is giving displaced people shelter and medicine. And this is what I'm loving about the series is that the antagonists of the group are like very, I've said this before, they're a morally gray um, group of people that I am so fascinated by. And I, I want more of them. And I'm, I was a little sad we didn't get more of them this episode. I'm hoping we get more in the, the next three. Um, but Eric, any thoughts? Um, uh, I, I, a couple, a couple of thoughts. I thought the, um, I think the when he comes out, when John Walker comes out of the van, he's like, um, "Don't let him delete it. Don't let him. Do, don't even let him breathe." I'm like, "Whoa, ho, ho. Uh, we're just gonna go up in there like this." Um, and you're right. Like when he does the, "Do you know who I am?" Just like hearing the crack in his voice, even. 
Like he's he's definitely starting to lose it. Uh, because he's he wa- I think he wants the honor of Captain America without having to go through the work to be Captain America. Because Captain America is not it's not it's not just his ability to throw the shield that makes him Captain America. What makes Captain America Captain America is the first Avenger movie when Steve jumps on that grenade to save everybody, even though he knows like, oh, this will kill me, but it'll save everyone else. Not a soldier, think, but a good man. Right? Yeah, and I think yeah. it just shows like how special Steve Rogers was. And that's that's what John Walker was supposed to be in the comics too. It's supposed to show that hey, Steve Rogers is one in a trillion. Like we're we're never gonna get something like this person again, and so I think that just watching it happen, like seeing Captain America, this Captain America like person, bully, and be abusive and use that shield for that reason, it's like ooh, this is not mm-mm, no, don't like that. Um, but you make a good point when they talk about yeah, they're just helping people out. They're they're going to inspire loyalty if they just help everyone. So. Uh, yeah, uh, John Walker is definitely, my theories are he's going to be not a nice guy to deal with in these last three episodes. No. I can't believe we're, almost, we're already half, halfway done through the, the series right? as well. Yeah. Wow. It's so fast. So yeah. Fast. Um, I also thought it was really weird that the GRC had a police force just to begin with. Like, why, why do they? Yeah, the contrast of the beginning where it's like, hey, we're doing all these nice things, we're re- reintegrating everybody, and then cuts like to the police cop, you know, the uh, opening up the, you know, the door, John Walker walking out, don't let him breathe, like very aggressive. It's like very uh, questionable what's going on with this institution. Writers did a very good job with that, with like showing, hey, here's nice fun, but this is how we actually get it done is with yeah. brutal police force, which is, you know, how things work now, unfortunately. You gotta love that symbolic juxtaposition. Had to throw that 10 cent word in there. Meanwhile, Bucky and Sam are visiting Zemo in prison, who's able to convince Bucky that he can help them track down the super soldier serum and or the super soldiers they are after. Without consulting Sam, Bucky arranges things so that Zemo is able to make his escape, and reluctantly, all three of them agree to work together. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. Now, I, I guess we got to begin with uh, Bucky going in alone to talk to Zemo. And uh, I know my boy's got some, some, uh, some thoughts here. Who should we begin with? Who's ready to go? Jeremy, you ready? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this was great, obviously, because based on the history they have, and I think they even mentioned it in the episode, too, about um, how Zemo is responsible for the horrible uh, death of T'Challa's father. Winter Soldier gets blamed. And... I think kind of to the back of uh, Zemo stealing the show, it's kind of amazing that despite that everything that Bucky's been through, he's so smart and is still able to put this his own feelings aside and realize that Baron Zemo, somebody who's not only like horribly wronged hundreds if not thousands of people, uh, and really almost tried to further ruin his life, if that's even possible, he put all that aside because he realized that this was the person that had the best chance of helping them. And I think that speaks a lot for the characterization of Bucky that they're doing as well. And that being said, oh man, where is our Baron Zemo TV show? Sign me up. (laughs) I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm so ready. Cold, calculated. Uh, You know, my buddy, my good friend, uh, Will, who's uh, been reading comics with me all of his life, I was talking about it. He made a good point. Uh, he said, Baron Zemo is so often a character that shouldn't work and shouldn't be cool, but always almost is. 
And uh, I thought that really stuck with me as I was watching this. I mean, I thought it was such, they did him so much more justice here than in any, uh, than in the movies or, or anything beforehand. Uh, cold, calculated. I like that they brought up that he had a code as well too, which is extremely important. And um, I'm, I'm thrilled to me. I was, wasn't completely sold. Uh, I think I was so hyped on just how good WandaVision was that I was feeling a little bit deflated still. But this Baron Zemo was the special sauce to me for this episode. That really was just, whew, I can't wait for the next one. I'm all in. He's almost so, like playing like a cool anti-hero. Is that right? That's right. You guys get three feet? Yeah, okay. Sorry, yeah. I interrupted you, Carlos. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Uh, as far as the Bucky going in, I, mean, I don't know what segment in the podcast we're going to talk about Zemo. I've got words. But as far as Bucky walking in, I, my favorite thing about the Winter Soldier and what they do in the MCU is that his theme, like that screech, Every time he's in, you know, in, in on scene, and when he started, Zemo started saying the words. It was like a muffled version of that, uh, like he was trying to suppress it. I thought that was such a cool. Like immediately, I was okay. I'm in. Like I, I get the dynamic that these two are gonna have, uh, and very invested. Uh, as far as Zemo, I'm everything you said. I love him. I'm so excited he's gonna be the villain. But ironically, I've been binging The Alienist. I don't know if anybody's seen it. And it's on HBO. It's Daniel uh, Krug, I think. Uh, Krug, I think is the name of the the actor. He plays the main character, and it's the same, like you said, calculating. He's a, like a Sherlock Holmes type. Mm-hmm. And I come and I'm off that high. Like I love that show. Those two seasons were really good. And I'm like, yes, I'm so excited to have him back because he's basically the same character he's playing here, and he does such a wonderful job. Just the tension is so. Uh, you can feel it at almost any scene he's in. You don't know what he's going to do either because he's got a code, but he has got his own selfish reasons to why he's doing things. So he can, he's the wild card at any given time, you know, taunted Bucky with the uh, winter soldier activation. code when he Oh my goodness. That was awesome. Lord. Eric, we'll get to you in just a second, but I'm glad you brought that up because, um, like it, it speaks resonance to what Carlos has said about the, the muffled score. Um, and then when he starts, you know, giving the code, the code words out and then like, it doesn't work, obviously. And Zemo's yeah. like, you're still in there in that, in that juxtaposition I get with, the, with that score in the background mm-hmm. that really emphasizes that. That's a good point. Eric, I know, I know you uh, were digging Zemo this episode. So like the thing is, I think, um, uh, Jeremy brings up a good point. I, I really liked Zemo here. Um, I will say I didn't like this scene that much because like when, how the the freak did that whatever it was in the Machiavelli book? I'm like, whoa, how did we get here, Bucky? Did you walk in with something? I don't remember you walking in with anything, really. So, I mean, I, but I got to have a suspension of disbelief with these things sometimes. Like, they needed Zemo for the plot to move forward. So I, I was totally fine with that. Um, but yeah, I, I like this version of Zemo. I, I, I'm a big fan of the Avengers Earth Mightiest Heroes Zemo. They got the Masters of Evil together, yeah, yeah. and like I like I enjoy like this normal kind of looking dude is able to wrang it, wrangle in Abomination, Enchantress, yeah, yep. uh, all these big time supervillains, and uh, kind of get that here too. Zemo's Zemo's got something. Like he's already like at episode six for us right now with the plan that he's got. So oh yeah, um, yeah, Same I enjoyed that. Playing checkers, I, yeah, playing chess, yeah. I, I very much enjoyed like him trying to say the words i thought i was like oh i know this was coming yeah, I, yeah one, the last last thing i want to bring up is that um 
for me, uh, Bucky going in alone really felt like a a, a nice character moment for him because it almost feels like he's testing himself. Yep. You know. Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same about that, but definitely. I mean, yeah. like Bucky is really the only one that Zemo dealt with in Civil War, kind of like sure, like he had the when he talked to Steve and uh, Tony at the end of the movie. But, like, that sit-down he had with Bucky was the only time he really dealt with someone from, like, the Avengers or anything like that. So having them meet again under different circumstances was really interesting. Like, they're both, like, one is a prisoner, one's coming to try to help help them out. I thought that was really yeah. neat. I almost forgot to mention, too, before the episode started, uh, happy seven-year anniversary to Captain America Civil War. I can't believe wow. you released seven years ago. That's insane. Feels like like two years ago. Wait, do you mean Civil War or Winter Soldier? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Winter yeah. Soldier. Okay. Yeah, you guys. Thank you. A little better. <laughs> All right. So the best on. solo MCU movie. Yes. You're so not good. wrong. You're not wrong. Hmm. So good. Especially that good. fight. Especially that first fight between Steve and Bucky, where he flips the knife. Ah, oh, so good. It's a it's a wonderful movie. It is. That choreography is so good. Moving on, Zemo is revealed as a wealthy baron in the trio fly. I mean, we all knew he was a baron. In the trio fly to the fi- uh, fictional island of Madripoor, but not before confronting Sam and Bucky on the plane about Steve's legacy. And of course, Marvin Gaye. We also see the inside of a GRC resettlement camp as Carly weeps over a dying woman, later named as uh, Donna Madani. Donna Madani. Lots to unpack here. I don't know. So, yeah, I was, this is not my thought. I read this online, but there is a lot of awkward, like, editing in this particular scene because uh, presumably there was supposed to be, like, a subplot with some sort of virus going on. Uh, but because of COVID, they decided to, like, write everything around it. So, like, her, this matriarch, I guess, figure that she had. Like, apparently she's a very big actress. I'm not sure who she is, but a a big casting. And so presumably there was this whole other subplot where there's a virus and that's what they're getting these vaccines and all this other stuff. And so that it just felt like the scene felt awkward for me. Like, I don't know her motivation exactly, like what's going on, who this person was. I, I guess I'm supposed to care, but like, I don't know. But presumably that's what was going on there, that COVID had a lot of rewrite um, impact on this. Very interesting. Yeah, I didn't Actually, know that. One, one of my um, complaints about the first two episodes is I thought that they're spinning a lot of plates to begin with, you know. Um, but that's actually really, really interesting. I'm going to read more into that. I didn't even, uh, I didn't even think about that. I mean, good yeah. on them, you know. And, but- and and to touch on this point later on, when they talk to the doctor, uh, they cut to this thing where they're asking, "Oh, what's wrong with her? Like, why did she contact you?" And she mentions tuber, or he mentions tuberculosis, but it's like off camera. And right. it's like very muffled. So that was mm. clearly like some sort of reshoot or something. Right. Um, yeah, because right. of, again, they're trying not to. So that's what was going on. So, yeah, it seems like a lot of these scenes were kind of just put together, like in this particular middle area. And like you said, in the past couple episodes, I was still confused. Like, what are we doing? What, what's going on? So, yeah. yep. Yeah, I'm with you there. That explains oh. a lot. Uh, I loved, and this is such a silly little note that I have, but I love when... Uh, Sam and Bucky are arguing that uh, Zemo just goes, if I may, and the two of them just turn and go, no. I, just, I thought that was a cute little moment. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. That, that tickled me so much that I wrote it down with my serious notes. 
Well, the fact that I forget the actor's name as well who plays Zemo, but the fact that he can just jump in and like be just as charismatic as as the two, yeah, and and just gel really well speaks a lot to him as an actor, for sure. Eric, any thoughts here? Um, I um uh, I think I, I'm gonna bring up an important thing I saw. Uh, Blessing Adioye Jr. from Kind of Funny mentioned a uh, TikToker who had a very interesting TikTok about this specific scene they had on the plane in <laughs> regards to the um, S.H.I.E.L.D. legacy. Because Sam has that moment where he's looking at it, it's like, I think I should have destroyed the S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And then Bucky is going, that S.H.I.E.L.D. means a lot to a lot of people. And then he brings up talking about, if you look at it from Sam's point of view, in the last episode, he found out that there was an a black Captain America that no one knew anything about that they experimented on. And, you know, it, the, the foundation of the super soldier serum going forward was built on people like Isaiah. And that was terrible. So for Sam, it's like this shield means a lot of pain for a lot of people because they try to recreate cap and they try to do all these things. And, but for Bucky, you know, that shield is hope for a lot of people. And I, I think it's I think it's nice. Um, it's a nice thing to look at legacy here because I think that's what this show is about. Whereas WandaVision dealt with Wanda's grief and how do we learn to let go? Sometimes this one is about I think legacy. I believe like does Sam feel as though he's worthy enough for the shield? Well, maybe he doesn't want to have the shield anymore because you know that shield has done a lot of terrible things too. Not specific with the shield, obviously, but the ideals behind the shield. And I thought um, I thought that was a really impactful scene, probably the most impactful one of the whole episode for me, is because of how two people can look at a certain thing and get two completely different. There's two completely different mindsets behind it. Um, so, and I also I enjoyed the line where he talked about Trouble Man, um, and he's like, "Yeah, it's 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 a great view of the African American experience." Well, he may be out of line, but he's not wrong. So I thought I thought that was a great little line. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the plane ride. I thought that was really good. Yeah, I, I almost like glazed over, but you're absolutely right. Um, I thought this was, this show was going to be like Sam uh, having an identity crisis over being Captain America. And I was ready for that. And finding out that this, this show and exactly what Eric um, just talked about, like the moral and ethical interrogations of what the S.H.I.E.L.D. stands for to different groups of people. It's far better than anything I could have expected out of a Marvel show. And I'm really hoping to stick the landing with it because so far it's been fantastic. Uh, that Twitter user, so I can make sure I give them credit, uh, it's on Twitter. They're at straw hat goofy underscore between straw and hat and hat and goofy. But yeah, they, yes, that, yes, that, you do. I love the error that we're the error that we're in because you just gave this whole beautiful to me moving soliloquy about like the deep and then it's like, of ethics <laughs> and it's like oh that was from Straw Hat Goofy Straw Hat yeah he's got very insightful you know. <laughs> I be, good, sure, good job don't get me wrong I'll make sure I give them their credit because it was a it was a really good I didn't think about yeah. it the first time I watched it yeah. and then I'm like, oh no, shit sure. he's absolutely right thank you Goofy appreciate you Goofy. Not to, not to, uh, but I think you may have conflated the because I think that scene is at the very end after they do everything else. Oh, uh, that's the second plane. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just this, this plot's still there, but that's the second oh, there, scene. Was there two after planets? The, there was two. Yeah, planets. so they leave. Two they leave Madripoor later on, and they, that's when they find out they did testing on yes. Isaiah, oh. and they're like, 
you know, uh, Sam is all conflicted about it and stuff. But okay. Yeah. okay. Well, all right. Well, then there we go. I Fancy planes they ride in. You know, they all yeah. kind of look the same. You know? <laughs> like a G6. Like a G6. Yeah. Riding. Thank Baron's you, Butler pushing a 125. Still out here doing work, you know? Yo, hold on. I almost forgot about the Butler. He was um, he was awesome. He was fit. I I was tickled by him too, and I'm not even exactly yeah. sure why. <laughs> Moving on here, and this is I think we're probably going to talk a lot about Zemo because he he really shines here. Now on the island, the three uh, infiltrate a local nightclub and speak to the mid level fence who runs the place and might have intel on the super soldier serum. Part of Zemo's plan is for Bucky to pretend to have reverted to his old identity as the Winter Soldier, while Sam impersonates an, an infamous underworld figure known as the Smiling Tiger. Um, and then he takes a shot of uh, a, sna- a snake or a snake egg, I forget. Uh, things fall apart when Sam's sister calls while they, int- while they attempt to negotiate with Zemo's contact, Selby. When their cover is blown, someone outside the building shoots and kills Selby before her men can kill our guys. This puts a massive bounty on the trio's heads, and they flee the premises, discovering that said shooter was Sharon Carter. She's dun, in it. Dun, dun. Exactly. Everybody's coming in. How cool was just like the introduction to Madripoor, just the aesthetics alone? So I, I started this uh, earlier in this podcast saying that how big of an X-Men fan I am was going to come in handy here. And I popped real hard for uh, yeah. Madripador. I really did. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not expecting to see Hugh Jackman walking around there with a patch on being like, name's Patch, bub. But still, it was a really nice kind of nod considering what a strong connection that has with the whole Marvel Universe, but with uh, so many X-Men stories specifically. So and I thought it was awesome. It was a very cool modern day pirate almost cyberpunky uh yeah. kind of like just violent on edge place also um another very funny line has to be when sam when they're walking in their costumes just goes i look like a pimp that also got a laugh out of me too <laughs> no what got a laugh at me was zemo's response is like uh yeah only an american would think you know yeah. a well-dressed man with a black man with fashion right. is a pimp you know that's like, right oh, and they're yeah. just such good foils for each other so good yeah uh, for me, obviously, speaking of Zemo, he, my, why I find him so interesting is that he's in the, he's just a regular human being. Yeah, he's got training, right? And some of that was introduced in Civil uh, civil War, where he was a mercenary, I believe. Um, and, but that, that's not even why he's cool. He's like, like it was mentioned, he's 10 steps ahead. You, you as the viewer, you know, Zemo is already there. Like he's already, his plan is already coming to fruition while everybody's over here doing whatever so it's really interesting to see where he's at at any given point how he handles himself around all these criminals you know superpower beings everything he knows where he at he's at and he's just playing everybody like pawns at all times so yeah i don't know how i i have one final thought here and then i want to ask eric uh his thoughts on this as well um were you guys sad at all that uh we kind of came to madripoor and then left kind of quickly i was um, friend of the show Hugo Panay um, mentioned that he was hoping that we'd get more time to like live in that setting um, and we kind of leave it kind of quickly and, and all the fighting takes place you know out, outside of the city we're there for maybe five to seven minutes and then we're out so I was kind of I was kind of sad we didn't get to spend more time there I don't know what you guys think about that we'll be back yeah we'll oh, be back nice I agree we have we'll we have Sharon there like she's got some mm-hmm. stuff going on there uh, the super soldier serum was there. So I feel like John Walker is going to go there. Like that's where his next move is going to be. 
Um, so we'll see. But I, anyway, even if it's not in this show, we're going to see that's that uh, island again. I'm Definitely agree. Pretty sure. Hope so. Eric, what do we think about Match Four? Uh, a beautiful cinematography in this specific scene, especially when like when they're walking on the bridge and you see the city in the background. I thought that was a beautiful shot. Um, I think uh, it was really cool. Like Jeremy said, like the cyberpunky esque neon. I, I, I realize like neon could be cyberpunky now. Just anything neon. Yep, that's cyberpunk. <laughs> uh, but I really, I really enjoyed it. I really dug it. It was great to see Sam drink the snake stuff. He's like, oh, oh god. And then like, even though Bucky was in character as Winter Soldier, like you could see him like chuckle, maybe smile, just a little smirk that Sam was having to do this. I thought that was great. Uh, Zemo dancing. That's the new meme now. Uh, Zemo, uh, like, I know someone put a, uh, um, someone already has a Twitter account of him dancing at different things. Like, they have the one with uh, Tony Soprano in the car, but they've done it with Zemo now. And, of course, the most listened and liked one was the one where he's dancing to Agatha all along. So, oh, I missed that one. Um, okay, all together. It's all connected. It was good. It was fun. I got some John Wicky vibes out of this one, though. I'm glad yeah, you said that because the, yeah. I think the director, no, 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 the cinema, one of the cinematographers or the uh, stunt choreographer um, who worked on John Wick worked on, on this episode. It was so good. Like when they're going into the, co- oh, I'm sorry, Carlos, go ahead. No, no, no. I think what it is is a writer, the, 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 who wrote this episode actually was a writer on John Wick. I think it's what there it you is. Go. I think you got it. That's yeah. awesome. That makes a lot of sense. Because, like, them going into the club and them dancing, I'm like, ooh, we're getting some nightclub vibes here when John Wick went in there and shot a bunch of people up. That was so good. And then, you know, we have the dancing, and then we have the mysterious meeting in the back part. And then, you know, shit happens, and then, oh, we all have a bounty on our heads. We're going to run. I yes. I was just going to say real quick, I would love to see an entire episode of just the three, maybe four of them trying to survive Emma Dripador with a bounty on their head. I would watch yeah. a whole episode of that's, that. Yeah. That's what I wrote down. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. They've been, been so cool. Um, I also enjoyed the um, part where Sam tried to be tough on the phone to Sarah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to kill those bank managers. Like, what? <laughs> Why didn't he hang up? Why? It's like, hey, yo, I'm, I'm in the middle of a multi-million dollar deal. Yep. Yo, I got a girl. Girl, I'll call you back. Like, why did he stay on the? Tell, you tell me what your guy. issue is, yeah. Sam. You you're. <laughs> I mean, I. I, I enjoyed it. it. Was just like you had these super serious moments. Man, get out of the Cheetos, the uh, Cheerios, <laughs> and stuff like that. I was like, this is great. Um, yeah. But it, also, it was kind of terrifying to see Bucky going to Winter Soldier so easily. Yeah, that yeah. that kind of scared me a little bit. That's when hit that screech like went all the way up i mean i'm sure that one's the noticeable one you just like it is a little like scary you're like he's just straight up breaking these people's backs you know no remorse really so we'll see it brings back to what zemo said you're still you're still a little part of it inside you uh but that did lead us to our i think one of my favorite jokes for this uh episode which is when they're running away and sam (laughs) yells out i can't run in these heels which caught me off guard. It was, <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, I no, I'll save this. I'll save this for the theories section, or we might talk about it here in the next part. Um, now, uh, Sharon Carter, now a fugitive, has had a rough time of things since she has last helped Steve, Steve and Sam several years ago. While both of them have been pardoned by the U.S. government, Sharon's remained on the run, settling into the hustle life in Majapur, unable to return home. While she's not thrilled to see Sam and Bucky, she does agree to help them with their mission, especially after Sam makes her a deal that'll get her a full pardon. Um, 
I will just ask it now. Sharon Carter, is she the power broker? Yep. Probably. I you know what? I'm gonna say no. I don't no. think so. Oh, I love the range. I I have a feeling she is working for the power broker. I have a feeling she's involved in everything that's going on. Um, but I just feel like we have a big figure coming. Uh, let me just say, if in next episode are like, oh, Sharon, you're the power broker. I'm like, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> I don't think they're going to go that way. I think they're going to introduce a new villain. Um, some theories floating no, no, around. Mephisto, right? It's going to be Mephisto. It's got to be Mephisto, right? He, uh, the, the bunny, Skull Scratch. Um, I think uh, some theories, I saw the Mandarin, I saw like something big like that. And even if it's no, not, nobody known, I want a new villain. I just feel like having Sharon is too, it's too safe almost. Yeah. Um, she is somehow, I mean, she's had to live a long time uh, just on her own trying to, you know, she's exiled all this stuff. I don't think she's in the good guy's side just yet, but I just still don't think she's the one pulling all the strings. I don't think she would have turned that heel so quickly. That's my opinion though. So, uh, although I will say I am liking that we're getting some more depth with her because Absolutely. in in the past movies, she just kind of is, she never does anything of consequence. She just, Oh, let me steal this shield. And like, just to uh, uh, be able to help these Titans, right. That they're doing everything. She never gets any, any significant role. I feel so I feel like now this is the time for her to be. I know she's. I'm not too familiar with her in the comics, but I know she has a bigger role in everything. Uh, but I'm excited to see where she goes. Uh, but as far as the power broker, I'm gonna have to say. And everybody's referring to as him. Even Zemo is like, "Hey, the king." Oh, I've never met him. Uh, granted, this could all be an alias. We may not know, but I don't know on that one. I'm gonna have to yeah. wait. I, I do like that she is. Uh more of a of a figure she's a full character with her own um thoughts and opinions more so than her other roles in the mcu um, she's Eric, even got her driver and i'm like who are you yeah. what's going on here man exactly. something's gonna happen but we'll see we'll see I, um oh my god i just noticed that his discord icon is moon knight yeah i know <laughs> right so good joke. um bad that. How excited are we? Since I know he's getting back on, how excited are we for the Moon Knight? Uh, yes, dude. Oh, I mean, ask me how excited I am. Look at my look at my icon. You know yeah, I mean? we were. Oh, that's, a, that's what we were I, talking yeah, about. I yeah. can't wait. I, yeah, can't I, wait. Ho- I hope they make him so crazy too. Yep. Oh, yep. just that's go how you got to do it. Insane. All the um, Avengers in one, baby. That's it. But to answer your question, Christian, I the reason why I think it is, you know, she has a really nice place. Like, if she's just a hustler in Madripoor, she's got, you know, they go into this high-rise apartment area in the high town, apparently. No one stops Bucky, Sam, like, hey, who are these guys? Are they allowed in? Or something like that. She has a driver. She seems to know everything that's kind of going on. If she's not the power broker, then she may be, like, right left hand of them. because. But if she's the, if she's the power broker, how am I going to let these two superheroes go in and talk to my, my golden goose? You know what I mean? Who knows? I I, I don't know. The, the Bucky with Zemo? I'm like, nah. I, I don't trust the Zemo dude, man. Like, he's going to mess with all my, my operation going on. That's why I don't... I do agree she has some shady dealings. I feel like maybe her time in the cia or something she's able to sell information and or you know but i do see your point though 
think it's interesting because I mean, just the, the five years it's been, or excuse yeah. me, what would this be? Almost seven years since Civil War. You know, things could have changed. She could have gotten really mad at everybody. I mean, she did get mad at really everybody else, and she's like, All right, "I'm going to go do me. Let me go do this." Because I mean, you know, those five years turned Hawkeye into a murdering. Uh, just psychopath who just killed all these people because his kids got snapped. So anything is possible, but um, I, I am with you. I think if the next episode they go, oh, by the way, I'm the power broker. Gasp. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I don't see, see that. that. A bit obvious, a bit on the nose. Yep. Um, I do like that Sharon is a bit more pessimistic towards the heroes, like, as I think all of you guys have mentioned. That uh, just that uh, I guess. Like idea isn't very present in any other MCU stuff very often aside from our the normally the villains the antagonists so this is like very refreshing to me, um, and I, I love really oh sorry go ahead no I, the last thing I want to say is just that it going to this location just felt exciting uh, I think a lot of the times when we're watching MCU movies all the events feel isolated um, but seeing these characters interact with other people in like another setting um, and having their own opinions about these characters feels like. The MCU is not just these isolated events that happen, um, you know, in each individual film, but it's a, like a, a breathing world where everyone has, um, again, their own opinions about these characters. Uh, Jeremy, you were gone for a while, so I want to get back to you about yes. what you, yeah. Mephesto blinked me out of uh, existence. I shouldn't have spoke his name out loud. Um, what I was just going to say is I think both WandaVision and this show has done such a fantastic job of really incorporating what the blip means to the world at large. And I understand that's not possible in a movie, even if a movie as long and grand as a, you know, uh, Endgame. And I think it's, they're doing such a good job of really showing how people have changed and how the world has changed. So just wanted to shout that out. I think just to, just the last thing on this is my favorite thing as far as what this phase for the MCU means. My absolute favorite has been, where were you when the blip happened? Did you get blipped? Like, I'm always keeping track of like, okay, this person was blipped and this is how they react to the world. Because if you were here, you feel different towards whatever is happening. Technology, Flag Smashers, you have an opinion. But if you just came back three months ago, you're still thinking pre-blip. Like, you are you don't even know how to react to a lot of these things. So I feel like it's, it's super interesting just having Sam back because he doesn't know how to react to a lot of things happening. Um, so yeah, the, the, my favorite thing about this phase absolutely is that just the blip and the little things about it. That's a great Like, point, oh yeah. my God, who won the first season of the mass singer, right? Like <laughs> Zemo. I can't, I can't believe Zemo. that show's real. They have the mass dancer now. Too. We watch it religiously in this house. Okay. Religiously. Is it good? It's not <laughs> but it's like you play that game it's like yo i have heard this voice at some point in my life let's try to guess oh it's little wayne okay it's, it's cool. okay for a show not to be good but to be fun i'm a firm believer yeah. in that yeah i mean look at the defenders there there was there's an example right there <laughs> why would you why that was, would you what, that wasn't even that fun for me all the time man, yeah I, with you. I agree <laughs> Alrighty. Moving on, after she throws a party and makes a connection with one of her contacts, the gang explores a shipping container depot, which contains the secret lab of Dr. Nagel, who manufactured the batch of super serum that transformed Carly and the Flag Smashers. Um, And this should have been together, so I'll keep reading. While Sam, Bucky, and Zemo interrogate Nagel, Sharon keeps busy by murdering a group of bounty hunters that are after them. 
Nagel tells him that he's out of the super serum, at which point the goons above begin firing heavy artillery at the secret lab before Zemo finally kills Nagel, keeping his mission to end the Winter Soldier program once and for all. Sharon stays behind in Madripoor, though tells Sam to keep her posted on that pardon while the guys pursue a new lead on Carly. Lots to unpack here. Um, I'm going to go over to you, Jeremy. Um, any thoughts here? Uh, it's funny. I probably should have saved my blip comment even for this too, because what an incredible way they did even kind of naturally incorporating that into the plot yeah. with uh, the scientist getting blipped and having, you know, that being such an interruption in his work, which they gave me a very quick, succinct, realistic reason why he would be in this trailer in the middle of uh, Madripador trying to trying to make this serum. Um, I thought it was great. And as soon as we saw Zemo start looking around, my gear started turning in my head when he was in there. And I was like, wait a minute. And by the time he had gotten to the scientist, I was like, this makes perfect sense that he would do this. And I thought this episode did a really good job in a very short amount of time of making me not only understand all these characters' motivations and situations, but uh, believe and invest in them as well. Hmm. Yeah. Carlos, what about you? How did he find the gun? Like, was he, was the doctor looking to the side? I was like, I mean, I know Zemo's, you know, out there, but I'm like. He could have gotten lucky, right? He he could have, but I think he was kind of like walking around. I felt like the doctor kind of looked to the side. Sure. And Zemo kind of used his mentalist ah, well, stuff I mean, if going he, on. He was feeling threatened. You'd naturally look to where the gun was, right? I mean, he <laughs> Zemo went there to kill oh. for sure. Yep. Um, I love I love the scene. I think it's uh, the interrogation, the different methods they're all using. Right, Sam trying to come in bad cop, but knowing that these are actually the bad cops, right? Um, I like you said the explanation with the blip was super cool. How he, this doctor just needed funding for to fill his egotistical whatever. Uh, I love the the fight scene as well. Like Sharon's, she got the action. Then this whole uh, uh, sequence, uh, even though like I felt like at this point for her, they're just kind of giving her things to do. Like, hey, find us this guy. Hey, you know, I want more depth to her character. What have you fight, really been fight doing? Ten guys outside. Yeah, like just <laughs> break, kill these people. Like, yeah. so I don't. What are the rules of magic? Like, am I just if I see you over there, I'm like, hey, I don't like you. You're looking at my girl wrong. Can I just come and kill you? Yeah, I felt like everybody was just killing everybody, just murdering. Like, oh, yeah. there's I no. That too. It's like we're the good guys, and just everybody's getting shot and neck snapped, left, right, and. Center. I get they're bounty hunters, like that kind of comes with the job. But I'm like, what are what are the stipulations over here? I don't know, but yeah. I, I thought. Oh, I thought it was very cool. The uh, bringing it back to Isaiah, bringing it back to that, uh, uh, very cool. I'm, I'm so excited. I mean, this is a very uh, build up episode. Like we're, we're really about to see what's going to happen, episode four or five. Uh, but I'm so excited with the fight scene with Zemo. Also, I'm not sure if we were there yet, but I'm excited. I really am. I just want to say, for me, that was the depth. I think for Sharon, um, and not just because like she's like this like badass figure who's fighting, but because she is straight up murdering people. Yeah. Um, like Good it's point. like for me this is like illustrating like she has no like not the same moral code as other people in the MCU surely not Steve um, but then again who knows because the ep- the show began on episode one with Sam killing a bunch of people in that yeah. opening uh, opening still scene, so Avengers, I, I really right? don't know like that's <laughs> yeah but those are like baddie red shirts you know like we're just whatever 80s action rules apply right yeah exactly god damn it America 
Eric, any <laughs> any any thoughts here on Zemo and Sharon? Um, I thought it was I thought it was really cool. Um, it, it, I thought it was really interesting. Um, you guys, right with the inter- I don't need to say much more about the uh, the Doctor interrogation scene because you guys really hit the nail on the head with that stuff. What I want to talk about is probably my least favorite thing I've seen in the MCU so far. Okay. That okay. one shot where they have Zemo put on his mask for no reason to go shoot these guys and then just takes it off. All right, I'm ready. Like what 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 did that serve? I don't they couldn't they couldn't answer. see who he was. He couldn't give up his his, you know to me the real out. answer, the real answer is, and I marked out hard as a uh, you know an avid comic book fan. That was literally just done as a nod to longtime comic book fans. But removed aside, the millions of people who watched that, I agree, were just like, why is he putting on a purple ski mask to kill all of these people? I know the purple, like, that is Zemo right there. That's his outfit. like, And that's For great. Sure. But I just like him putting it on just oh, to kill ridiculous. two dudes and then yes. take it right yeah. off. I'm like, no, this is, what, Imagine what are you doing? not reading comic books and seeing that scene and being like, why? did he do that? Is it a vibranium know, people, people probably mask? thought he got his powers from the mask or something. Yeah. You, you might be right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I um, thought he was going to, he's going to dip. One, one thing I wanted to mention, where do we think that, uh, what is it? Carly, I think is her name. Did she take all the vials or do we, or like all the serum or do we have more laying about? Uh, cause there were some vials like that were kind of, while everything was blowing up, they were kind of shattering or whatever. And I just don't believe that, oh, she stole everything kind of thing. I feel like there's some other stuff going on, but I'm not sure. I, I um, take it as a word. Oh. Yeah, I, I, for me, I, I'm just taking it as, I'm sure, I'm on the ride. Like I'm going to believe that she just took all of it. And if it's, it wasn't the case, then I'll accept that when it comes. If not, I don't know. I think another thing I saw that was really nice is, you know, we got in all these MCU movies. We got these super powered people who are fighting one another. It was nice when Sharon was uh, killing all those guys where you see some of them just like take a breath. Where it's like, hey, I'm about to go around this corner, potentially with someone with a gun there. I'm you're like you're seeing like raw human emotion right there and those things. I thought that was really nice, you know, from seeing Wanda, Wanda, you know, tear open things with her mind. So I thought that was really cool. It's a good point. It's a really yeah. good point. Uh, for me, I, I want to just say before we move on that the, this part especially felt like a boring movie for me. And seeing um, Bucky, again, just be the, the cold kind of badass he is when he's interrogating Dr. Nagel, um, getting answers from him, uh, and just shoots right next to his head and then goes back to interrogating. I think that was Bucky, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, was, I was like, this is cool. This is fun. Okay, but now we're getting into some more nuance with Carly. Um, Carly mourning the loss. Can I interrupt of... real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, please. I'm yeah. So sorry. Just real quick. Bucky impaled a lady with a pipe, right? Cool. It was a cool moment. I didn't oh, imagine he, that, right? Yeah. If, I don't know if you My noticed the coolest, the coolest thing about that is right before he does it, he like uh, braces himself with like the crate. He, and he's like, okay. And then he throws it. I'm like, oh, this is just cool. The choreography, I mean, just to touch on everything we've said, it's so cool. Probably because the John Wick guy. I know we just watched a bunch of people get shot. That actually, like, shocked me with how graphic it was, yeah. believe it or not. So I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. I just saw that on my notes, and I was like, oh, my God, the pipe. That was cool. The rating for the show. Like, for TV 14, I guess, would be, like, the I, I translation. Would, yeah. That must have pushed yeah. it at least a little bit, though, man. That had yeah. to have been a conversation somewhere. That was hardcore. Yeah. 
All righty. Carly mourning the loss of Madani is outside a GRC supply depot plotting to infiltrate with another flag smasher. I don't remember his name. The two successfully steal the supplies before bombing the place with people still inside. This is the only language these people understand, Carly tells her colleague. Um, God, I, I love everything about the Flag Smashers. And I, I really want more of them. I'm, I'm hoping we, we get more answers. Uh, and I, honestly, I was kind of sad to see Carly's like moral ambiguity kind of skew towards like more of the antagonist side. I was hoping it'd be more, I guess, you know, morally good. Um, any thoughts here, Jeremy? Uh, in my notes, I literally have, it's so funny. They're right next to us. I have the flag smashers have good motivation. It makes them understandable and relatable. And my next note is literally in quotes. There were still people in there. Yikes. (laughs) Boy, how quickly they changed on a dime with that one scene. Yeah, I agree. I think the strength to strength to strength that the, the show has been able to do is um, that moral gray area that everybody seems to be operating in. And I think they lose a lot of believability in some ways if they just have her go full characteristically, you know, just terrorist wanting to wipe everybody off. Because I I agree with what you guys have been saying. For somebody, for an organization whose name is the Flag Smashers, that could have been absolutely ridiculous. And they actually were able to make me genuinely understand and care about their motivations. And it would be a shame to lose that more than halfway into the series. For me, a little bit is I like also I love the actors. I think those two have really good chemistry. Um, but for me, and it may be because of the rewrites. I just for me, I'm confused as to what pushed her so hard yeah. to do this. I I sorry, Alexa, stop. I apologize, guys. You know, have mine of her own. But I just don't understand what. Okay, so they yeah, I guess they're keeping the food and all this stuff. But to go that. How many people are in that building? Like 20 for you to just kill them like that? Again, I just, I hope they explain a little bit more of their, it seems like their motivation is to help the people and everything, to feed everybody. But what pushed you over the edge? Like, why are you like this? So that's kind of where I'm missing, you know, my sympathy for that character. Eric, you're you're revving up. Go for it. No, I I think what happened (laughs) for me was when, uh, that uh donna madani character i think after she passed i think that's when carly had like a little switch in her head yeah it's like and like she experienced like real human emotion there i mean not saying that she's not a human she's got some super soldier in her but she's still you know very much like angry at all this is happening because you know flag smashers like hey they don't care about us like we were here the whole time and then you know the new people come in and it's just hey let's go the new people but it kind of reminded me just like Star-Lord finds out Thanos killed Gamora. Hey, we can save all these people right here. Get this glove off. Nope, I'm pissed off right now. You are not going to change my mind. I'm about to punch you, this guy, in the face multiple times. Um, Spider-Man was right there. Just had to say responsibility. And he should have reminded him. Yeah, it it was just... It's one of those things where she's angry. And... You know, she's going to go at these people and it doesn't matter anymore for her, I think, especially after after that uh, lady died. Like she doesn't she's going to do whatever she can to the ends are going to justify the means, I think, for her right now. I, I, I'm completely with you. Like, I'm not upset that she went and did it. I'm just upset. Like, I don't know who that lady was to her. Exactly. And I don't understand what it is that you're exactly trying to accomplish. Are you, you know, so 
I, if she, listen, if we would have had some good reasons, hey, she was my conscious, right? She, we had some conversations between the two, like, hey, you can't do this, this and that. But just her dying and her just killing these people. Again, I don't have a problem with killing them because they seem like, you know, they don't care about them anyways. Do you but think, yeah, that's uh, kind of. Do you think that those um, alleged, I guess I should say, edits and rewrites mm-hmm. and changes might have something to do with that too? Yeah, I think so too. Especially this episode, it just seems so strange as to everything that's going on. It just so many yeah. holes that we have to fill for ourselves that I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'm in. But I wish they would have kind of just kept the virus. Presumably, it was like a virus and that was happening, and and so. I don't know. It is a little awkward for me as to their motivation. Like I can't buy in everything that the flag smashers are doing if I don't know what's going on. So I, Carlos, I think if we would have had one, maybe at most two scenes with Madani before, yes, yeah, I agree. gotten her on her deathbed mm-hmm. and then Carly's reaction, I would have bought in way more into her turn than yeah. what we got in this episode. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, her be like her hope uh, figure, like, hey, you know, we can't turn that way yet. We can't, so on and so forth. And her dying is kind of her. Yeah, exactly. It's just hard to do all these stories with six episodes when you got to focus really. <laughs> when you got to focus really on Sam and Bucky, because when you got to push is. Loki, when you got to push yeah. the Batch, when you got to push. The- oh, you don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair. Closing us off with our final piece here: when the three arrive in Latvia. Bucky splits away from Sam and Zemo, having spotted some tech on the ground in front of them. What could it be? Bucky follows the trail, which leads him to Ayo from Wakanda, who declares, I am here for Zemo. Yeah! Yes. yes. What a cl- yes. There will, what a there will finger, never baby. be a time where that music doesn't come on yeah. and I don't get hype. Right? I'm like, let's go. Every time. When they were writing this episode, they were like, all right, bring everybody in. Bring them on in. Yeah. yeah. I wrote one note for this, and it was just Wakanda with three exclamation points. Like, yeah! it, it was just like, let's go. Come on. Yep. I'm excited to see where this is going. I'm excited. Obviously, Chadwick, we're not going to have him. We're not going to have, but I, the, even the ties to Wakanda, to the white uh, white wolf, to mm-hmm. all that stuff, all that lore, I'm excited to see. Because, yeah, I mean, Sam mentioned it earlier in the episode, the Wakandas haven't forgotten, man. Like, you're freeing this guy who murdered their king. I'm just gonna be okay with it. So I'm, yeah, I'm super excited to see all these worlds merge like that. I mean, and this is just a great time for me to ask too, where we think the show is going, or what what hopes do you have for the next episode, or the next few episodes, um, in regards to, um, specifically, I guess with with this, you know, with Wakandan soldiers coming in to to get Zemo, or, or with any of the other threats we've been following. Um, we'll just go around the table again, Jeremy. Uh, I think, and I would like to see an episode dedicated to almost like a battle of the nations and a battle of ethics. And there's no way they're going to have time to like accurately explore this with three episodes left. But the idea that they're the Wakanda, uh, Wakanda is essentially there for Zemo, but Bucky and Sam need Zemo. Puts them in a very interesting, simple, straightforward, but so complicated butting of heads. And I would love to really have some time exploring that. Absolutely. I think for the next episode, what I would love to see is Bucky's time in Wakanda. Like, just a little bit of flashbacks as to what his life was like there. Just because he got, you know, his brainwashing and everything was, they were working on it. And that must have been difficult. It wasn't just like a, you know, in and out operation. So I, I want kind of want to see some of that, his PTSD working through it in Wakanda. How he gained the trust of the people. How he, I would really love to see that. As far as uh, just, I mean, it's a it's a Winter Soldier episode uh, show as well. So I'm hoping we get a little bit of that background. 
I want to see Carly's life before this. Yeah. Just a little bit. Eric, what about you? Um, I think I'm excited for the confrontation between Sam, Bucky, and John. I'm really excited for that because I think what's going to happen is John's going to get to a breaking point. And I think he's going to find a little soldier, super soldier serum. And I think he's going to go a little off the deep end there. And maybe uh, his buddy Battlestar is going to get some too. And we're going to have like this 2v2 battle. Because we still have something's going to happen to Sam. Because, you know, we see him in the trailers and stuff. Th- practice throwing the shield back home. Something has happened to where he's got to get ready. I'm thinking maybe there's another shield. Maybe someone, there's a second Captain America shield uh, that he's going to have to take up and fight. Because we got to go back to Louisiana, obviously. Not for personal reason, bias reasons. I'm just <laughs> saying, but uh, uh, well, but I, I I'm ready for that. I'm I'm ready for I'm ready for Sam to pick up the shield because I think that's what's going to happen. Like I am ready for him to be the new Captain America because that's what I want. And uh, but if he decides to throw down the shield, I will be just as happy with that because um, that's Sam's choice, and I really like Sam a lot. Such a great character. What do we think Zemo's going? Because he's obviously the antagonist of this whole thing. He's got to be the, pulling the strings everywhere. Oh so my what God, do we think? Power broker. Where's he going? He's going to be the leader of the Thunderbolts, baby. He's going to go or die Dark, in Wakanda. Or, or, or Dark that. Avengers is what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get a Dark Avengers or Thunderbolts series out of this with uh, Zemo, John Walker as a you know U.S. agent, a darker Captain America. Uh, yeah. And you know maybe we see Norman Osborn finally in the next Spider-Man. And we start having a, uh, you know, a Thunderbolts or Dark Event. They'll probably call them the Dark Oh, my God. Oh, you know, Jeremy I would rather. Stop. I'm getting too excited. This, this is my, my dream. <laughs> my, my dream property. Yeah, for sure. So uh, do I think that's going to happen? Eh, I do want to keep trying to will it into existence, though. But my question when all these series starts happening is like, how deep into the well do they go? You know what I mean? Like, but they yeah. got Moon Knight. They got a. Obviously, they're not afraid to experiment Guardians of the Galaxy and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, it'd be really cool to see, you know, Thunderbolt. That's going to be amazing. Especially if this, and I think it will be, this new Suicide Squad movie uh, is a complete home run. Marvel might be like, well, we have always had our answer to that. Right. You know? And we're going to put it on, you know, Disney Plus and streaming and all that stuff. Oh, that's also on HBO Max. It's neither here nor there, I guess. But mm. I, I would love I would love to see it, especially in the Marvel Universe and the MCU. Because that's something we haven't seen in that world before. Somebody say answer your question, Carlos. Let's fucking go. Let's go <laughs> down that rabbit hole. Let's go super crazy. Put Norman Osborn the Iron Patriot armor. Yes, Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. yes, absolutely. And they're in a prime position with uh, you know Tony gone and Steve gone. It'd be mm. such like a a, a gut wrenching, disrespectful act on both fronts. Especially if you have Norman Osborn sullying. You know he's he's the Iron Patriot, but he's wearing the Stark tech. And everything and parading around it'd be such a uh, uh just a visceral disgusting thing i think it would be awesome to see people's reactions and then we got to get scorpion with the venom well, i mean we got to uh, do that dog. <laughs> my boy mac mac gargan <laughs> let's go yeah. my one thing about the 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 mcu where it's at right now it's and i think we've all kind of thought about it is that there's a power vacuum as far as where the heroes are at right there's no tony there's no cap there's these like smaller heroes kind of doing the thing. So the supervillains are probably Zemo types, you know, they're thinking, Hey, maybe we can, we're back, you know, if we're blipped or whatever, we can maybe do some havoc and stuff. And we've all been thinking it like, who are the heroes and who are going to be the villains really of this new phase? So yeah, Zemo and all of them are, 
if Doctor Strange is taking Wanda and maybe Spider-Man starts hopping dimensions too, I think even more so you're exactly right. Who's really on Earth? Thor's in space, yeah. right? So who is on Earth, you know, to protect these people on the ground? I think that's a tremendous point you made. Can't take it, man. I'm, I'm way too Especially when Mr. Mandarin's about to show up. Uh, I hope so, honestly. I mean, they yeah. did him, they did yeah. him so dirty. <laughs> You know, I think in sitting here thinking that who are the Avengers that are still working, really? I mean, Banner probably is not, you'd imagine. Uh, hurt, right. Spider-Man's an Avenger. Yeah, I'll but... A little he, young boy. You know, but he's not He's not going up against yeah. Zemo. You know what I mean? He's not... Yeah. It's those street-level heroes that we need. We gotta bring in Daredevil, man. God, I, I want so. Charlie Cox in this so you bad. Know? We need, we need more street-level heroes. Show me my MCU courtroom drama. I want yeah. my She-Hulk now. <laughs> yes. Get Mariska Hargitay to guest star. We're doing it. We're writing it right now. Can we bring in the Juggernaut and have them date a little bit too? Because that would make me just that would just make me so happy. It would be so weird, and I'd be all for it. Just think of the think of Jennifer had to put Moon Knight on the stand, and he's going crazy, and he can't. Oh my god. Okay, getting too much. Reigns back yeah, to Christian. Like Let's you're go. Ju- you're just like enough. Like you're it. right where I want you to be. It's perfect. To, to everyone's credit here, this is what's so dope about Phase 4, is that there are so many possibilities Marvel could take this, and like I'm excited for any direction they go in. Let's go. I think my, I think my first, when anything was possible, was they, when they announced the Ant-Man movie. I'm like, I'm a big fan of the Avengers, like obviously core Ant-Man, but I'm like, are people going to resonate with this hero? This is so deep down there, and now they're just bringing everybody at this point. You know, it's so big. A, uh, you, anything could happen. Heist movie. You know, brilliant. Yeah. They made us care about a raccoon in a tree. They can literally do anything. If you would have told me like 10, 15 years ago, Guardians of the Galaxy would be one of the biggest media properties in the world. I mean, there's no way. There's, no. Just, there's no way, right? Amazing. Absolutely. Oh my God. Amazing. Then we got Blade coming. Let's get yeah. some Marvel Knights going. Yeah. I forgot about Blade. Oh my God. With Mahershala Ali, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of yeah, the best actors alive. That's a, that's a knockout. That's a, that's a day one. Easy money. Yeah. yeah that's, they're going to be printing money with that for sure. Multiverse of Madness. Let's get Nicolas Cage back as Ghost Rider. Let's do it. I mean, I had not even thought about that. I, I got to do something. I got to have it. Either way. I hadn't thought about Nicolas Cage, you know. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to him. Man, I could do this all day, but unfortunately, that is going to wrap us up for our episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier Power Broker. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. We're going to move over to our plug section if you would like. Uh, us to find you on social media jeremy any plugs you would like to do today uh you can find me on twitter at j.remy uh i'm gonna be on another comic book podcast called digging for kryptonite uh later this month where me and a, a dear friend and filmmaker uh anthony dezito is going to be sitting down with me and we're going to be comparing 14 different origin stories of superman across comics Ooh. and media and trying to find out how they're similar, how they're different, and trying to find the definitive answer of who Superman is. So that should be recorded this month. My guess is probably sometime in May. So keep your eyes peeled for that. I want to listen to that so bad. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Lot, that note-taking we were talking about, listen, I'm wearing it out, man. <laughs> I'm wearing those notes out over here. Nice. Uh, Carlos, what about you? Any plugs for you today? Uh, you can find me at Tan Cocoa Butter, just like it sounds, and all the socials. I don't have anything to plug. I just want to encourage people if you have five, ten bucks uh, right now, everything but the Asian community, uh, all the hate that they're experiencing. Uh, if you can find a local uh, organization or even just 
spread the word of everything that's going on. That that would be my plug, just to be good to each other. You know, we're all in this together, especially now. So, absolutely, I am glad you brought that up. Thank you so much, Carlos. For sure, and Eric. Well, I feel ridiculous going after that because he brings oh, up a very important. I want to change. I want to change my answer. Too. I know. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, Eric Segan on Twitter. Find me there. I'm very excited. Uh, the wife, Tessa, she's about to start up some Soulsborne streaming. Very excited for her on that. Uh, yeah, we're doing stuff here. Marvel Mondays every Monday. Great, uh, great stuff. This was a really good episode. Oh my God. I enjoyed oh, yeah. it very much. Thank you for having me, guys. I had Thank a lot of fun. Thank you. So much fun. So fun. You guys are welcome back anytime, by the way. Just say the word and you're back. Thank you very word. much. Right, thank and you guys. We end, wait, hold on. I got to oh, plug okay. myself, man. Please. Oh, of course, yourself. of course. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. I'm just kidding. Follow me at ISO Christian. All my all of my stuff there about Twitch streaming and my movie podcast, Large Popcorn. We got a David Lynch episode coming up. A lot of sci-fi episodes coming up. Cyberpunk. All that good stuff. That's it. Now you can say goodbye. Bye, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Till next time. <laughs>